Good morning and Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor and uh, super glad to see uh, every single one of you today. Uh, so as uh, some of you may or may not know, uh, we come together like this in a live service twice a month, and uh, I love it. Uh, I love to see all of your faces and the energy in the room, and I love to be able to sing with you guys, and uh, hopefully the teaching is helpful, and we think that this is a very helpful tool in kind of this big pursuit we have of trying to better love Jesus, love each other, and love the world. Um, but this is not the only tool that we have. And actually, as some of you very well might have experienced, just going to a Sunday service often is not enough to actually change your life and change your heart, which is our goal. You need other practices and habits. And so I highly encourage you, uh, check out your program. There's a lot of other uh, resources in there. Uh, a couple that I want to draw your attention to, uh, we've been encouraging everybody to take part. There's an app uh, that we didn't come up with it, we just found it and love it, called Lectio 365, and they're doing a special Advent kind of focus right now, and it is, I have found it over the last couple weeks especially, I've loved it for a while now, but to wake up, and uh, we have our tree up in our house already, and to have my coffee, and just that 10, 15 minutes, and it kind of leads you through some prayers, some thoughts, some reflections, and just beginning my day that way has been so formative uh, over the last couple days and weeks. And so if you haven't been doing that, I would encourage you to, to start. I think it could be very, very helpful. It's been helpful for me. Uh, and then uh, families, uh, we have a, a daily Bible reading with the Jesus Storybook Bible. And so that's uh, in the, the bags if you want to pick those up. Uh, we're already a few days into it, but you can totally catch up still. And so we've kind of been in the habit of uh, I'll wake up first and then our kids wake up and then uh, we'll just kind of spend some time around the tree in the morning. It's like five minutes. It's chaos. I'm not trying to make it more idyllic than it really is, but it's this nice little family time to spend focused on Jesus, and I love that. Uh, and then lastly, uh, there's an Advent guide in here. There's a weekly uh, kind of activity that you can do, and you can do this with friends. You can do this with your family. You can do this with your partner, uh, and especially, I love all the activities, but tonight, uh, the activity that you do is you kind of go through some verses, uh, go through some prayers, and then you have to draw uh, which I am not an artist. Uh, we've been doing this for almost two decades in my family. We did this before we have kids. So it was like just Ashley and I at one point. And I have two decades now of horrible drawings that I have done of trying to show what the nativity scene was like. But I find it to be an incredibly helpful practice year after year to really kind of take it from words on a page, once upon a time in a land far away, to really try to imagine what did it look like? What did it smell like? What did it feel like? Uh, and so, again, if you haven't been doing the Advent Guide, it's totally fine. No shame at all. But I just invite you. Uh, you could start today. And I think that if you, this service hopefully will be helpful to you. But if you were to engage in those habits over the next couple weeks, if you were to spend time every day with God, if you were to spend time together as a family, if you were able to take some, carve out some time today and really think and feel uh, I think it could just be very, very helpful. And so I invite you uh, to do that. Uh, all right, so here's where we want to go today. Uh, there is a Christmas song that we did not sing today uh, called uh, Angels We Have Heard on High. And uh, some of you know it, some of you love to sing it. Uh, there's this, uh, here's kind of how it starts off, Angels We Have Heard on High, sweetly singing. And then it goes into this chorus, uh, and then the chorus goes like this. 
Glory in excelsis Deo, which is a Latin phrase, which means glory in the highest God. And it sounds really beautiful. I, I feel like you need to hear it. Um, Jenna, can you help me? Oh, beautiful. Thank you. It's just, it's, Especially when you know, like, this is the highest of heaven. It's really, really powerful. Uh, now, years ago, uh, my niece, who she's about to graduate high school, so this is a long time ago. She was about five. She was in the back of, of the car, and my sister heard her singing this song, but she didn't sing the right words. Here's how she sang it. Uh, she sang it, Gloria, I know Chelsea's name <laughs> which is very cute, but it... it there's something about it that lacks that same meaning. Uh, and here's why I bring that up. Uh, for the last, all this semester, beginning back in the fall, we've been talking about this idea of definitions. Because when it comes to different ideas we talk about, especially in church, things we read in the Bible, things we might sing about, it's important to know what the actual words are, and it's important to know what the actual meaning. Because if you're singing... I know Chelsea's Namo. that's not going to really, but if you really understand what this is actually trying to do, it has a much better chance of actually changing your life. And our suspicion has been that it's been possible for some of us uh, to go through different church services, song services, and we've heard different phrases over the years. We've heard different ideas of especially what Christmas is all about, but we've been presented with a false definition. Uh, it wasn't the real, we were missing part of it. And what we want to do is open up to a bigger picture. Uh, and really, this is kind of like what Christmas is all about. Uh, all through Christmas, you hear different stories about people who were viewing Christmas through the lo- wrong lens, the wrong definition. They, they were viewing it in the wrong way. And then something happens And now all of a sudden they see it in a brand new way. And so, for instance, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, this kind of like crotchety old guy who hates Christmas, bah humbug. Uh, Something happens, though, and then all of a sudden he sees Christmas in a whole new way. It's bigger and brighter than what he ever could imagine. Now he wants to keep it all year long. Uh, Or the Grinch. Uh, The Grinch is up on the hill and he hates Christmas. He wants to destroy the whole thing. But then something happens And now all of a sudden, he sees it totally different than what he's ever seen it before. And now he's got this huge heart for what Christmas is all about. Uh, Or maybe one of the most prevalent ways that we see it is in Hallmark movies or some other kind of Christmas rom-com movies. Uh, And I saw this tweet that I thought was pretty good. It said, the plot of every Hallmark movie is about a career woman who is too busy for love, but she has to move to a small town where a handsome local bachelor teaches her about the true spirit of the holiday. It starts snowing, they kiss, and there's also a dog. Uh, And we love those stories because there's something inside of all of us that knows that Christmas can't just be about consumerism. Go to the next one. It can't just be about consumerism and stress and pressure and being overscheduled, although for many of us, that's what the holiday often becomes. And yet, like Leslie talked about at the beginning of the service, we have this hope on the inside of it that it will become something more. And we hear the, the promises of Christmas that it will become the thrill of hope, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, the 
something magical happening on the inside. And that's what we want to talk about today. As I want to invite you, maybe you've been going through this holiday season, maybe you've been going through every holiday season of your life, and it's been a part of how you've been approaching the whole thing that's just been a little bit off, and it's not your fault, it was just maybe how you're presented or kind of what you've always thought, but there's a, I think there's a bigger, better, broader way to be able to see what this whole Christmas story is about that makes it so much more compelling and has the ability to actually be that thing that changes us uh, from the inside uh, out. Is that a manual that just walked in? Boy, that's like the most exciting. Hey, all of you, I love you guys. What's up, Emmanuel? I love you guys. Oh, that's ex- Sorry. Let's talk about good things happening. All right. All right, so here's where uh, we've been going uh, all semester, is we've been going through the Old Testament of the Bible, and we've been looking at some of the big themes in the Old Testament, things that you've probably heard of before, and we've been trying to get an accurate definition of what we think they're really about, because they might not be what we've always heard. Uh, So we've gone through the idea of what it looks like to be blessed, uh, what it looks like to be saved, there it is, Uh, rules, temple, Uh, last time we looked at exile, and where we want to camp out today is this, like, window of time. There was about 400 years in between when the people of Israel were exiled. They were let out of Jerusalem. They were captives in Babylon. Uh, They had a time where they came back. And it was 400 years between there and when Jesus came. Uh, And especially what we want to look at in this period is there was five different groups or categories of people that kind of sprung up during that time. Uh, If you've read through the New Testament, you might have heard of some of these, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Essenes, the Zealots, and the Pharisees. And I want to take just a few minutes on each of these groups looking through what they believed, what they thought, how they lived their life. Uh, And there's two big reasons why I want to spend the time to take us all through this today. The first reason is because context matters. Uh, I really want you to not just again, come to Sunday morning services. I would love for you to take time on a regular basis to read through the words of Jesus that were written down in Scripture on your own. And Jesus didn't live in modern Western 2022 Republicans and Democrats. and they, they, Completely, he lived in a Jewish world with very different political, social things going on. And based off of what Jesus said in different groups, the context matters. Uh, If we heard that Jesus said X, Y, Z to a room full of conservative Republicans, what he said might bear a lot more because of who he said it to. If we heard that Jesus said this to a bunch of liberal Democrats, then it might play out very differently based off of who he said it to. And I want you to have a better understanding because as you read through, you'll regularly see these groups and who they were plays very much into the significance of some of these things that Jesus was saying. The second reason I want you to go through this is because in many ways, their story is our story. And it's not just them. One of the powerful things about always reading through Scripture is that so you're not just reading about people a long time ago in a land far away. It's that their stories are very similar to the same things that we live in. Uh, The things that they interact with are still 2,000 years later, very much the things that we interact with. And the way that God responded to them and the things that God wanted to say to them 
I believe are still very much the things that God might exactly want to say to us. And as we go through this list, here's my suspicion, is that you will find yourself in one or maybe multiple of these categories. And you will see that the way in which they were handling their world might be exactly the way that you're handling their world. And the way in which they were missing the point might be the way in which, if we're honest, we are missing the point. And then also some of the ways in which they're doing things right might be some of the things that you are doing uh, things right as well. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through them uh, pretty quickly. So huge caveat on this. Uh, these were big groups of people, uh, very nuanced. There's real human beings that were part of these groups. And so I'm um, very much oversimplifying this. So if you want to like research this, you could find out way more about kind of the intricacies of these groups. And in every single one of these groups, there were certainly people that were more extreme, uh, people that were more kind of lackadaisical in their beliefs on this. But just kind of as a general rule, here's what these groups were all about. Uh, so here's the first group we want to look at is the Herodians. Uh, and here's the Herodian story. The Herodians were Jews. Actually, all the people in these groups were Jewish people. Uh, Jesus was in a Jewish context for the most part. And they liked God. They did. But they loved Rome. Uh, here's what it looked like. And so they looked at uh, kind of the promises of God, and they're like, ah, that, that's good stuff. Like that idea that God wants to bless us and then we can bless other people. Yeah, I mean, that sounds great. Uh, that salvation thing, you know, even the rules that God gave us. Like, no, nah, that, that's not, uh, of course I want to do those. You know, going to the temple, hearing from God, all sounds great. But this, this Rome thing that's coming in, like that sounds pretty awesome too. Like they want to like, they're an empire. And like we could be a part of that empire and we could have power and wealth and significance. Like this all sounds great, but like, I would really like to be a part of that. Uh, or here's how we might say it uh, in today's world. And I don't love these categories, by the way, but we might define it as kind of like religious and secular. So there's like some things that we see in our lives that are like, okay, like, yeah, I do my church thing and I pray. And I, and I, I like those things. Like, I'm here today. I, I came on Sunday morning when it's snowing. Like, of course, I, I love church. And like, I love the idea of praying and, and giving. And I would love to find a place where I'm serving regularly in the community. Like, Thumbs up. Like, that, that, that sounds great. I'm in. But I also would, like, love more stuff. And I would love money. And I, I'm pretty excited to eat and eat and drink and drink and drink over the next little bit. And in general, I just, there's a lot of things that make me happy. And I would like to do those things whenever and as often as I possibly could. And the breakdown comes is, when you have to choose. Well, which of these is going to win? And so when you feel like that God wants you to serve and give, but you want money and you want something, which one is really going to be the most important? And the Herodians were a group of people who were like in that, and they were often saying, I, I want to try to have both as much as I can. I, I, think I can. I think I can figure out a way where I can have all the stuff, all the glitz. I can have the power job. I can have the degree. I can have all the social media followers. I can have all the things that I really, really like. And somehow I can like figure out how to make church stuff work too. Uh, and Jesus had some pretty strong words often to them. So here's one of the things that uh, he said. He said, no one can serve two masters. He said, this, this isn't going to work. Uh, you're not going to be able to keep doing both of these because you will either hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
at some point you're going to have this tension of am I going to be a generous person or am I going to be the most comfortable person? Am I going to be a sacrificial person or am I going to be a selfish person? And at some point there's a tension there where you can't do both. You can't fight, and they would feel in this. And not only did Jesus have those, he just went on, he said, those who love money heard all this and they were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves. And that was kind of one of the key words from this. Not only did they love money, love stuff, and also love God, they were often trying to justify themselves. They, they had something kind of figured out in their mind. And maybe this is your story. It was like, yeah, no, I, like, I know, like, I probably should be giving more, and I probably shouldn't have bought that thing, but like, let, let, me, let me give you my justification. Like, if you understood, like, no, we, we needed one. I, I know, like, most people, that they don't need, you know, but I, we needed one. Most people don't need to do that trip, but, like, somehow we figured out a way where we have justified that it's okay that I'm having all of this comfort, and it still makes sense to follow Jesus. And for some of us, that's exactly kind of the group that we fall in. Uh, next group is a group called the Sadducees. Uh, and we'll talk the least about this uh, group because I don't think that, this is probably the group that the least amount of us fall into, uh, but it still might be some of us. So I want to make sure we talk about it. Uh, it's more so the group that I could fall in uh, and maybe that Stephen and Julie and Ten and some of us who are up here on stage could fall in. Uh, here's what uh, the Sadducees, the Sadducees were a group of people that were using God to indulge in greed and power. And so actually, if you read through the New Testament, you often won't hear the phrase Sadducees. What you'll often hear is chief priests and religious rulers. And so who the Sadducees were, or they were the religious leaders that were in charge of the temple system. Uh, they were the ones who were kind of governing, here's how we're going to worship God. And what they had figured out is that if you run the temple system in a certain way, then they could make a lot, a lot of money, and they could get a lot, a lot of power. Uh, this is pastors that maybe you've seen in the news or whatever else, where somehow they figured out, you know what, like we can figure out how to do church services and it's helpful and we're giving sermons and songs, but there's a way in which we can do it where it also, it gets me a lot of money. It gets me a lot of power and significance. But it's not just like some like mega crazy thing that, you know, Rolls Royces and private jets and all that kind of stuff, but it's it could be very true for me, and I bet it could be true for anyone who ever steps on this stage, is there could be a part of why we're doing it. We're doing something that's good. We're doing something for God, but it's not really about God. It's about, I think if I do this, I think people will like me. Uh, I think if, if I do this, people might come after me and say, oh, that was so good. Oh, you know, your voice is so wonderful. Oh, I, there's a part of why we're, we're doing something for God but we've kind of figured out, I think that I can, like, that thing inside me that needs power and significance and money, I can kind of utilize that. And Jesus was never happy with folks like this that were trying to oppress people in general, take advantage of people, and especially using God as an excuse to do this. Uh, so one of the most uh, famous examples of this 
uh, was Jesus went to the temple one day and reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and he began driving out those who were buying and selling there because they had figured out that when you went to the temple, you had to buy these sacrifices. They would like way upsell this stuff and they were making all kinds of money off these sacrifices that people had to do uh, for God. Uh, and so he overturned the tables of the money changers and the, uh, and the benches of those selling the doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. Uh, again, I don't think this pertains to many or even any of us, although I can definitely admit that this is a struggle inside my heart of making, when we come together for church, or maybe when you come together in your group at your house, that it's, instead of it being a place about prayer, it's about something else. And if Jesus starts to like convict you of that, it can be very, very difficult. And here's what happened uh, when Jesus convicted them of it. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him because they didn't want to lose their power and they didn't want to lose their significance. And one of the kind of rubs that we might find at Christmas is that there's things that we are trying to hold on to and that the, the real definition and meaning of Christmas starts to come in. It's battling with us. And we're like, I, there's a part of me that would rather like kill it, suppress it, walk away, instead of admitting that it's true and right. Uh, next group uh, is a group called the Essenes. Uh, and the Essenes were a group where their motto was like, we're going we're gonna to run away. We're gonna, we, we don't like this culture either. Uh, they would also look at kind of the, the religious uh, secular divide, uh, and they would say, that, yeah, this whole, this is, this is bad. It's too greedy. It's too selfish. Uh, it's too Roman. And so we need to go, and we need to get away. And what we're going to do is we're going to create our own little, like, subculture. And we're just going to kind of go over here, and we're going to let that crazy, sinful, whatever you want to call it, world hang over there. And we're just going to kind of get inside and do our own thing. Uh, and for some of you, you might totally be able to relate to this. Uh, I can definitely relate to this. Uh, this is something that I grew up in quite a bit. Uh, I grew up in what was often called the Christian subculture. Uh, and so in the Christian subculture, uh, you had things like, okay, there's, there's bad music out there with like bad things. And uh, in my day, I don't even know if this was ever real. There was this thought that like if you played some music backwards, it was going to give you like a message and it was going to be evil. And so we had to like, all right, we're going to have our own Christian music and we're going to have Christian books and we're going to have Christian theme parks and Christian movies and Christian schools and Christian clothes. And we're just going to kind of cloister ourselves in this like safe little like balloon and like over here it's okay. And like and as long as like our kids are in here and our family's in here, like now that's scary world can't handle us. I think it, for some of us, that's the world in which we've been living in. Uh, for some of us, it's maybe not so much like that deep of like going into like that kind of a subculture. It's just in general that as we look at the issues of the world, maybe as we look at like the issues of some of our friends, maybe as we look at the issues of some of our family, instead of engaging, instead of like actually talking things out, there's a part of us like, you know what, I'm just going to go over here. I'm just going to kind of isolate myself. I just, I, I, there's, there's, there's too much problems over there. I'm just going to like be over here and no, no, no. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to worry about that. And somehow I'm just going to be okay over here by myself and the world can kind of go to hell in a handbasket by itself. Uh, we, 
know the least about the Essenes from any other group because they were cloistered. They were living out in the wilderness. And so Jesus really never interacted with this group. But there's one famous Essene, or we think he was uh, an Essene, uh, and I think he gives a model of if you've been kind of isolating what we need to do. And so his name was uh, John the Baptist. Uh, and here's John the Baptist story. He says, in the child, John the Baptist, grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness. He was away, just kind of, I don't want his parents or whoever, I'm just going to kind of live in this little culture. But then one day he broke from his culture, redefined, and he appeared publicly. He said, I'm going to now engage. Uh, And he engaged in a loving way, a helpful way. Uh, And for some of us, we've been very much isolating ourselves this holiday season. We've been living kind of our own little isolated bubble. And I think Jesus wants us to appear and engage and be involved in the public. Uh, Next group. Uh, it was a group called uh, the Zealots. And so this group was the complete opposite uh, of the Essenes. They said, oh, no, no, we are going to engage. Uh, we are going to get involved. The world is terrible, and we are going to let them know about it. Uh, we are going to take them down. Uh, their theme was kind of the idea of, like, culture war. Uh, there is things bad in the culture, and we are going after them. We are going to attack them. We are going to let them know just how bad things really are. Uh, there's been... Many examples of this, Christians are uh, often very good about engaging in different culture wars. Uh, one of them that was pretty famous a couple years ago uh, was this. Uh, anybody remember this? Uh, so this, and I, truth, I didn't research this very much because I just don't care that much. But here's, uh, apparently what happened is that Starbucks is making Christmas cups for years, and everyone's like, oh, that's great, Starbucks loves Christmas. And it was, I don't think, it, it never had like, manger on it. It wasn't like Jesus-y, but, and then in 2015, they, they, they didn't put any Christmas up. They just made a red cup, and uh, whole kind of sections of the Christian world, like, lost their minds, and they start, like, they're, like, posting all kinds of terrible things about Starbucks, and they're boycotting Starbucks. There was multiple stories about Christians going into Starbucks and just berating poor Starbucks baristas who, like, like they made this decision, and just, like, letting them have it. And their idea was, that like, something, we need to be worried. We need, the culture's bad. It's taking away Jesus. And what we need to do is we need to attack we, we need to get rid of this. Uh, and there was a handful of either particular zealots who followed Jesus uh, or people who were very influenced by zealots who followed Jesus. And they had all kinds of interesting encounters. Uh, here's my uh, favorite one. Uh, Jesus sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. So Jesus sent his people, want you to get ready. But the people there did not welcome him. We don't want this Jesus guy, you know. So uh, because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? How dare you not welcome Jesus? And that's in some ways how like we react. When things don't go our way, well, we need to get rid of them. We need to take them down. And again, I'm guessing that for many of us, that we're not like on the, we're not like berating Starbucks people, but there are people that you disagree with, and maybe especially you disagree with at the holidays. You don't like how your sister does Christmas stuff. Uh, you don't like how your family, you don't like how your neighbor, and you're angry about it. And as a part of you that you're letting your, I'm going to bring fire down on them. I'm going to let them know just how wrong they are. How dare you? And what Jesus says to them is this, 
So but Jesus turned to them and rebuked them. That, that's, that's not, it, it might be okay to be angry about something that's happening, but we're not going to respond by calling fire down. We're not going to respond by berating and yelling and boycotting. There's a better way. Uh, and then the last group uh, is a group called the Pharisees. And uh, this is a group that uh, is big for me. This, uh, I can find myself in all of these groups, as I bet maybe you can too. Uh, this is actually the group that I can find myself in the most, uh, which is a little bit troublesome because this is the group that is mentioned the most throughout the New Testament. And this is the group that Jesus often had the harshest words for, um, but it's the group that like, I can, I can like, see my life in their life. Uh, they were a group that they loved law, order, and discipline. They loved a good plan. They loved, like, here, you want to accomplish something? Here's the way that you need to do it. Uh, and I don't know if you know this about me or not, like, I, I love, like, I don't love all rules. I love my rules. Anyone else like that? Uh, I, I love my things, and I've kind of, like, figured out, like, here's my opinions. And when I figured out, like, what I like, I just, I really, really like it. Uh, and so, for instance, uh, when it comes to Christmas, I've kind of figured out, here's, like, things that I think, like, here's what you should do at Christmas. One, you need to begin after Thanksgiving. All of you that were listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving, you were wrong. Uh, I want to have quiet nights. One of my favorite things at Christmas is we get the kids to bed and we like sit on the couch and we put on this like uh, Pandora station that has like Christmas piano and like we'll sit there and we'll drink wine and look at it. It's just like, it's beautiful and and I love it. Uh, I love no drama, especially like in an extended family. No chipmunks, come on. I don't know if you sing the songs, if you watch the movies, you're wrong. Uh, No whining. I think we should go to Sunday service. I think we should do Advent. I think we should drink eggnog. I, I believe in all of these things, and I believe that they will make for the best holiday possible. But I can sometimes get like a little too hung up on like my rules and my opinions. And pretty soon, like instead of these becoming things that produce life and joy, like instead, of, oh, that sounds nice to have like a quiet night. It didn't sound, what's wrong with that, John? But in order to get my quiet night, I'm like, yeah, kids, go to bed. I need my quiet. I said no whining. You know, turn that off. I don't care if you like it. You know, this is, and I can put what I want and my things and my rules and the way that I think things should be done in front of other people. And maybe worse of all, I can kind of get hung up on my way that I like things done, the way in which I actually think is the right way to do things. And I can make myself pretty self-righteous when other people I see not doing things the way that I want. Uh, here's how uh, I would uh, phrase it. Uh, sorry, here's how um, Jesus talked to the Pharisees once. He said, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give a tenth of your mint, your rue, and all kinds of other garden herbs, but you neglect justice and love. You, you've been doing all the, all the things, but you forgot to actually like, remember that, like, that your kids are in the house, man. You gotta like love your wife. You gotta, you're going to, your neighbor is like really struggling, but you are so busy like doing the things that you thought you should do that you, you forgot about love. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former, uh, with, with, the former undone. It would have been better if you just, if you would have just, if you would have let some of the rules slide, if you would have put love first. Uh, and so their struggle was it was all about rules and, and no love. All right, so that's each of the five groups. Uh, now I'd like us to spend a little bit of time, because that's all, a lot of information I know, and maybe interesting, maybe not, I don't know. But 
Like I said, I think that all of us find ourselves in one of those groups. And so I would like us to spend uh, a few moments uh, in service here. And which of these do you kind of see as your story? Maybe it's your story just as you've been going through this December holiday season. Maybe it's been your story for a long, long time. Is a part of your story that you've been trying to, you've been working to justify your own selfishness. And you have, you have a story, you have a reason, you have things behind it, but at the end of the day, you, you know you've been pretty greedy, you've been pretty selfish, you, you've been putting off the kind of life of generosity and servanthood that God's been calling you to. Is that where you find yourself? Or maybe for some of you, you see yourself as in the Sadducees, and you've been using God for your own greed. Uh, you kind of not only justified, you've like figured out how to like monopolize on this, whatever God's been calling you to in your ministry. Or maybe you can kind of relate to the Essenes, and you've been isolating this Christmas season. Maybe you've like the zealots, and you've just been angry and taking it out on the people around you, or taking it out on the, the clerks at the store, or the other drivers. Or maybe you've been a little bit of a Pharisee and you've been so focused on like this list of things that you think you need to do, but in the process of it, you've missed out on love. Uh, and it was to this group of people and to this group of people that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth and he wanted to present something new to this group of people. Uh, and so in Jesus' first uh, proclamation uh, at the beginning of Mark. Uh, here's what he says. So Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. I want you to repent. Uh, and repent is one of those words that we should probably do a whole nother like deal on because that can get misdefined sometimes. Sometimes it can become harsh and mean, but it really means I, I want you to redefine. Uh, I want you to Here's the way in which you have been viewing things. I want to open you up to a whole new way. Uh, this is Ebenezer Scrooge and the Grinch and people in Hallmark movies. This is people who are like, ah, I've been doing it wrong. And now I want you to believe and trust that there is a better way. Uh, so we're going to spend some time in a second on the believe part. But first, I want to spend time on the, on the repent part. So uh, next one. Uh, take a few moments, uh, Stephen, you can go ahead and come on up. Uh, take a few minutes just on your own, uh, however this is like comfortable or maybe uncomfortable for you. And which of these is a way that you've been living your life? Uh, a way in which you've been viewing the world? And would you take a, a moment uh, to yourself and to God and to want own it, to say, yeah, I have been being selfish. It's hard to admit, but it's true. Uh, I have been being greedy. I have been isolating. I have been angry. I have been forsaking love and forsaking rules. And just that moment of, I want to do something different. I don't want to keep living this way. Uh, so just on your own, between you and God, would you take a moment and just admit which of those is your story.
And then next, as we look at this group, Jesus loved every single one of them. So in these next moments of reflection, uh, there's communion cups uh, on your tables. And as we're reflecting, uh, we're going to take communion to remember that Jesus, as we're selfish, as we're greedy, as we're, he knows and he loves us. And he is inviting us to a new and better way to live. Uh, so here's what uh, Jesus said next as I want you to believe and I want you to come and follow me. You Essenes, you angry people, you selfish people, come here. I want to show you a better way. Here's how Jesus said it uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 11. Go to the next one there. Oh, there it is. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, he said this. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? And religion in this context could be, are you tired of your way of life? Are you tired of making Christmas and life all about an accumulation of stuff and goods and debt? Are you tired of using God for your own greed? Are you tired of being alone and isolating? Are you tired of being so angry? Are you tired of being so rigid on your rules that you've been missing out on real relationships, messy relationships with people? Then here's what I want you to do. He said, come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Watch how I treat people. Watch how I engage. Watch how I live in the in Rome and also in God, and how do I live in this do watch me how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So take a few minutes and reflect as you've taken communion if you haven't already. And whatever camp you're in, Jesus is inviting you to a new and better way of living, an unforced rhythm of grace way, a way that is freely and lightly. Uh, and maybe as you're reflecting, maybe there's something specific that you have seen or heard of Jesus doing that you feel like he is specifically calling you to today in the next few minutes. So take a moment and reflect on that.